0: Section 19 of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bob Rose. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 2. Great Navigators of the Eighteenth Century by Jules Verne. First Part, Chapter 4, Part 2, Captain Cook's Second Voyage, 2B. On the 21st, Cook left Tana, discovered successively Aromam and Anatom Islands, and coasted Sandwich Island. He passed Malicolo and Kuros Land of the Holy Spirit, where he easily recognized St. James and St. Philip Bays, and left the archipelago after having named it new hebrides by which appellation it is now known a new discovery was made on the fifth of september no european foot had ever trodden the soil he now sighted it was the northern extremity of new caledonia the first point recognized was called cape colnett after one of the volunteers who saw it first the coast was bordered by a chain of breakers behind which two or three pirogues appeared to be paddling so as to reconnoitre the newcomers. But at sunrise they brailed their sails and were seen no more. Having cruised for two hours along the outer reefs, Cook perceived an opening which he thought would enable him to draw near. He steered for it and landed at Ballade. The country appeared sterile and uniformly covered with a whitish grass. Some trees with white trunks, like the willow in shape, were seen here and there they were in the alleys at the same time several houses like beehives were perceived no sooner was anchor cast than fifteen or more pirogues surrounded the vessel the natives had sufficient confidence to approach and begin traffic some of them even entered the ship and inspected all the various parts of it with extreme curiosity they refused to touch the dishes offered them stewed peas beef and salt pork but they voluntarily tasted the yams they were most surprised at the goats pigs dogs and cats which were so strange to them that they had no words to designate them nails all iron implements and red stuffs appeared precious to them tall strong and well proportioned with curly hair and beard and of dark chocolate color they spoke a language which bore no resemblance to any which the english had hitherto heard when the captain landed he was received with joyful demonstrations and with a surprise natural to people who are brought face to face with objects of which they had no previous idea some of the chiefs enjoining silence made short harangues and cook began the usual distribution of ironmongery and hardware his officers mixed with the crowd to make observations many of the natives appeared afflicted with a kind of leprosy and their arms and legs were greatly swollen they were all but naked wearing merely a cord tightened to the figure from which hung scraps of stuff made from the fig tree a few wore enormous cylindrical hats open on two sides like the hats of the hungarian hussars they hung tortoise shell earrings or rolls of leaves of the sugar-cane in their ears, which were pulled out and split. The English soon perceived a little village above the mangroves which bordered the shore. It was surrounded by sugar-cane plantations, yams and banana trees, and watered by little canals cleverly diverted from the large river. Cook soon discovered that he need expect nothing of this race but permission to survey the country these natives he says taught us a few words of their language which bore no resemblance to that of any other tribe they were mild and peaceable in character but extremely lazy if we addressed them they replied but if we continued our way seldom joined us in our excursions if we passed their cabins without remark they took no notice of us the women were slightly more curious and hid themselves in the bushes to look after us but they would only approach in the company of the men they appeared neither vexed nor alarmed when we shot birds indeed if we were near their huts the young people would point them out to us for the pleasure of seeing us fire they appeared to have very little to do at this time of year having tilled the ground and sown roots and bananas they awaited their crops next summer perhaps in this fact lay the explanation of their having no provisions to offer in traffic for in other respects we found them fully alive to the hospitable instinct which more particularly commends the islanders of the south seas to navigators cook's assertion of the indolence of the new caledonians is perfectly true but his stay amongst them was too short to enable him to appreciate their character thoroughly and he certainly never suspected that they indulged in the horrible practice of cannibalism. He noticed no birds living in a wild state there, excepting quails, turtle doves, pigeons, turkeys, ducks, teal, and a few smaller ones. He could not ascertain the presence of any quadrupeds, and he entirely failed in his endeavors to procure provisions. At Ballade, the captain made several excursions into the interior and climbed the mountains to gain a general view over the country. From the summit of a rock, he clearly saw the two coasts and ascertained that New Caledonia in this part was only ten leagues in width. In its general features, the country resembled various portions of New Holland, which is in the same latitude. The productions of both appear to be the same, and there is an absence of brushwood in the forests of both. Cook also observed the presence of minerals on the hills, and his discovery has been verified in late years by the proved existence of gold, iron, copper, coal, and nickel. A few of the crew met with a similar adventure here to that which had almost been fatal to them in the neighborhood of Malicolo. Cook relates it thus my secretary brought a fish which had been harpooned by a native and sent it to me on board this fish was of an entirely new species and resembled that known as sunfish it was of the order called tetrodon by linnaeus its head was hideous wide and long never suspecting that it might be poisonous i ordered it to be served at table the same evening fortunately so much time was consumed in drawing and describing it that no time was left for the cooking, and only the liver was served. The two foresters and myself partook of it, and towards three in the morning we experienced a sensation of weakness and want of power in our limbs. I all but lost the sense of touch and could no longer distinguish light from heavy objects when I desired to move them. A pot full of water and a feather appeared to me equally heavy. We first resorted to emetics, and afterwards we succeeded in inducing perspiration, which relieved us greatly. In the morning, a pig which had eaten the entrails of the fish was found dead. When the natives came on board and saw the fish hanging up, they made us understand that it was unwholesome. They showed their disgust of it, but neither in selling it or even after being paid for it had they given the slightest hint of such aversion. Cook next proceeded to the survey of the greater part of the eastern coast. During this excursion, he met with a native as white as a European. His complexion was attributed to illness. This man was an albino, like those already met with in Tahiti and the Society Islands. The captain was anxious to acclimatize pigs in New Caledonia. But he had the greatest difficulty in inducing the natives to accept a hog and a sow he was forced to insist upon their usefulness the facility of breeding them and to exaggerate their value before the natives would consent to their being landed cook describes the new caledonians as tall robust active polite and peaceable he gives them the rare character of honesty but his successors in this country more especially tion trecasteaux discovered to their detriment that they did not perceive this quality some of them had the thick lips flat nose and general appearance of the negro their naturally curly hair added to the resemblance if i were to guess said cook at the origin of this people i should take them to be an intermediate race between the people of tana and the friendly islands or between those of tana and new zealand or possibly between all three for their language is in some respects a sort of mixture of that of these different countries the frequency of war amongst them is indicated by the number of their offensive weapons clubs spears lances slings javelins etc the stones used for their slings are smooth and oval their houses are built on a circular plan most of them being like beehives with a roof of considerable height and terminating in a point. They always have one or two fires alight, but as there is only one outlet for the smoke, through the doorway, no European could live in them. They subsided entirely upon fish and roots, such as yams, and the bark of a tree, which was but little succulent. Bananas, sugar canes, and breadfruit were rare, and coconuts did not flourish so well as in the island previously visited by the English. The number of inhabitants appeared considerable, but Cook justly remarked that his arrival had brought about a general reunion of all the tribes, and Lieutenant Pickersgill decided during his hydrographical excursions that the country was sparsely populated. The New Caledonians buried their dead. Many of the crew visited their cemeteries, and especially the tomb of a chief which was a kind of mound decorated with spears javelins arrows and darts which were stuck around it cook left the harbor of balade and continued to coast new caledonia without finding fresh provisions the aspect of the country was universally sterile but quite to the south of this large land a smaller one was discovered to which the name of pine island was given on account of the number of pine trees upon it. They were a species of Prussian pine, very appropriate for the spars needed for the resolution. Cook accordingly sent a sloop and some men to choose and cut the trees he needed. Some of them were twenty inches in diameter and seventy feet high, so that a mast could have been formed of one had it been needed. The discovery of this island had a certain value, as, with the exception of New Zealand, it was the only one in the entire Pacific Ocean which produced wood fit for masts and poles. In steering southward toward New Zealand, Cook sighted a small uninhabited island on the 10th of October, upon which the botanists reaped a plentiful harvest of unknown vegetables. It was Norfolk Island, so named in honor of the Howard family. It was afterwards colonized by a part of the mutineers of the Bounty the resolution anchored again in queen charlotte's sound the gardens so anxiously planted by the english had been entirely neglected by the new zealanders but in spite of this several plants had grown marvelously the natives were very shy of appearing at first and seemed to care little for any intercourse with the strangers but when they recognized their old friends they testified their delight most extravagantly when asked why they had been so reserved at first, they evaded a reply, and there was no doubt that they were thinking of murder and combats. This aroused Cook's apprehensions for the fate of the adventure, of which he had heard nothing since his last day in port, but he could obtain no reply to the questions he put. He was only to learn what had occurred in his absence when he reached the Cape of Good Hope and found letters from Captain Furneaux after once more landing some pigs with which he wished to endow new zealand the captain set sail for cape horn on the tenth of november after a vain cruise he at last sighted the eastern shore of tierra del fuego near the entrance to the straits of magellan the portion of america which now met our view says cook was dreary enough it seemed to be cut up into small islands which, though by no means high, were very black and almost entirely barren. In the background, we saw high ground covered with snow, almost to the water's edge. It is the wildest shore I have ever seen, and appears entirely composed of mountains and rocks without a vestige of vegetation. The mountains overhang horrible precipices, the sharp peaks of which arise to great height probably there is nothing in nature which prevents so wild an appearance the interior mountains are covered with snow but those bordering the sea are not we imagine the former to belong to tierra del fuego and the latter to be ranged over small islands in such a way as to present the appearance of an uninterrupted coast the captain still thought it better to remain some time in this desolate region to procure fresh victuals for his crew he found safe anchorage in christmas sound where as usual he made a careful hydrographical survey several birds were shot and mr pickersgill brought three hundred seagull's eggs and fourteen geese on board i was thus enabled says cook to distribute them to the entire crew a fact which gave the greater satisfaction as it was near christmas Without this timely supply, they must have contented themselves with beef and salt pork. Some of the natives, belonging to the nation called Petcherice, by Bougainville, came on board without any pressing. Cook's description of these savages recalls that of the French explorer. They preferred the oily portions of the flesh of the seals upon which they lived, a taste which Cook attributed to the fact that the oil warmed their blood, and enabled them to resist the intense cold if he adds the superiority of a civilized to a savage life could ever be called in question a single glance at one of these indians would be sufficient to settle the question until it is proved that a man perpetually tortured by the rigor of climate is happy i shall never give in to the eloquent declamations of those philosophers who have never had the opportunity of observing human nature in all its phases or who have not felt what they have seen the resolution at once set sail and doubled cape horn the strait of la mer was then crossed and staten island reconnoitred here a good anchorage was found quantities of whales abound in these latitudes it was now their pairing season and seals and sea lions penguins and garnets appeared in shoals dr sparman and myself says forster narrowly escaped being attacked by one of these sea monsters upon a rock where several of them were assembled appearing to wait the upshot of the struggle the doctor had fired at a bird and stooped to pick it up when the sea lion growled and showing his tusks seemed disposed to attack my companion from where i was posted i shot the animal stark dead and at the report of my gun the herd seeing their companion fall fled along the coast several of them threw themselves into the sea with such haste that they jumped ten or fifteen roods straight upon the pointed rocks but i do not think they hurt themselves much for their skin is very hard and their fat is so elastic that it is easily compressed after leaving staten island cook set sail on the third of january for the southeast to explore the only part of the ocean which had hitherto escaped him he soon reached southern georgia seen in sixteen seventy five by la roche and again by m gaillot du close in seventeen fifty six when in command of the spanish vessel the lyon this discovery was made on the fourteenth of january seventeen seventy five the captain landed in three places and took possession in the name of King George the Third of England, bestowing his name upon the newly found country. Possession Bay is bordered by pointed rocks of ice, exactly similar to those which had been met with in the high southern latitudes. The interior of the country, says the narrative, is no less savage and frightful. The summits of the rocks are lost in the clouds and the valleys are covered with perpetual snow not a tree or even the smallest shrub is to be seen after leaving Georgia cook penetrated further to the southeast amidst floating ice the continual dangers of the voyage overcame the crew southern Thule Saunders Island and Chandelure Islands and finally sandwich island were discovered these sterile and deserted archipelagos have no value for the merchant or geographer once certain of their existence it was unnecessary to remain for to do so was to risk in exploring them the valuable records the resolution was taking to england cook was convinced by the discovery of these isolated islands quote, that nearer the pole there is a stretch of land where the greater part of the floating ice spread over this vast southern ocean is formed this ingenious theory has been confirmed in every particular by the explorers of the nineteenth century after another fruitless search for cape circumcision mentioned by bouvet cook decided to regain the cape of good hope and he arrived there on the twenty second of march seventeen seventy five the adventure had put into this port, where Captain Furneaux had left a letter relating all that had happened in New Zealand. Captain Furneaux arrived in Queen Charlotte Sound on the thirteenth of November seventeen seventy three and took in wood and water. He then sent one of his boats under Lieutenant Rowe to gather edible plants as the lieutenant did not return on board either in the evening or the next morning captain furneaux feeling sure that an accident had happened went in search of him the following is a short account of what he learned after various useless searchings the officer in command of the sloop came upon some traces as he landed upon the shore near grass creek portions of a boat and some shoes one of which had belonged to an officer of the watch were found a sailor at the same time noticed a piece of fresh meat which was taken to be the flesh of a dog for it was not known then that the people of this place were cannibals we opened said furneaux about eight baskets which we found on the beach tightly corded some were full of roast flesh and others of roots used by the natives for bread continuing our search we found more shoes and a hand which we recognized as that of thomas hill because th was tattooed upon it in the tahitan fashion at a short distance an officer perceived four pirogues and a number of natives assembled round a large fire the english landed and fired a regular volley which put the zealanders to flight with the exception of two left with the greatest son, Freud. One of them was severely wounded, and the sailors advanced up the beach. A frightful scene was soon presented before our eyes. We saw the heads, hearts, and lungs of many of the crew upon the sands, and at a little distance dogs were devouring the entrails. The officer had not a sufficient force with him, being backed by only ten men to meet this fearful massacre with fitting vengeance. The weather, too, became bad, and the savages collected in large numbers. It was necessary to regain the adventure. I do not believe, says Captain Furneaux, that this butchery was premeditated on the part of the natives, for in the morning Mr. Rowe said that he observed two vessels pass us and remain all the forenoon in sight of the ship. The bloodshed was most likely the result of a quarrel, which was instantly fought out, or possibly, as our men took no measures for their own safety, their want of caution tempted the Indians. The natives, having heard one discharge, were encouraged by observing that a gun was not an infallible instrument, that it sometimes missed fire, and that once fired it was necessary to reload before firing again in this fearful God, the adventure lost ten of her best sailors furneaux left new zealand on the twenty third of december seventeen seventy three doubled cape horn and put into the cape of good hope and reached england on the fourteenth of july seventeen seventy four after cook had taken in provisions and repaired his vessel he left false bay on the twenty seventh of may put into St. Helena, Ascension Island, and Fernando de Noronha at Fayal, one of the Azores, and finally at Plymouth on the 29th of July, 1775. During his voyage of three years and eighteen days, he had only lost four men, that is to say, without reckoning the ten sailors who were massacred at New Zealand. No former expedition had reaped such a harvest of discoveries and hydrographical, physical, and ethnological observations. The learned and ingenuous investigations pursued by Cook elucidated many of the difficulties of earlier navigators. He made various important discoveries, amongst others, that of New Caledonia and Easter Island. The non-existence of an antarctic continent was definitely ascertained. The great navigator received a fitting reward of his labours almost immediately. He was nominated ship's captain nine days after his landing, and was elected a member of the Royal Society of London on the twenty ninth of February, seventeen seventy six. End of section nineteen. Recording by Bob Rose.